Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from Capitol Hill is Steve Hayes. Steve, here is the question. Is 2.3 million Americans not working good news or bad news? And can I laugh for a second at even asking that question? Who the heck is saying that's good news? Well, the White House, for one, and to a certain extent, they're being echoed by White House reporters, um, who yesterday during the uh, White House press briefing first with uh, the White House economist Jason Furman and ultimately with Jay Carney, asked some pretty tough questions. But the White House has been spinning back as, as hard and as furious as they can, trying to make the argument that, in effect, what the law has done, what Obamacare has done, is give people choices. And the choice to work less, uh, and still keep your health insurance is a good choice and a positive development for the country. That's the argument they're making, and they're making it with a straight face. But I, I, look, I mean, this is one of the reasons why uh, good-hearted, generous Americans have trouble with the welfare system, is nobody wants to stop someone from getting the help they desperately need, but we don't want to make not working a choice because we're sending you unemployment checks, welfare checks, rent subsidies, and free health care. That's kind of defeating the entire purpose, isn't it? I mean, Or am I misreading the White House's argument? No, I mean, I think that's what the White House is arguing in, in, in a sense because that's what the White House has to argue. I mean, see, they've relied so heavily on the CBO. They relied on... CBO reports before the law was passed, they relied on them afterwards to justify the passage of the president's health care reforms. And now you've got a CBO report that is somewhat mixed, but I, I would say largely a challenge difficult for the White House. And the White House can't really frontally take on uh, what the CBO has found. So they're trying to find ways to make what the CBO has found acceptable and to make it a positive. The reality is it's not good for employment when uh, you have a system that disincentivizes working. I mean, this is part of the problem with, uh, with the way that Obamacare is playing out. You have this very clearly laid out in the CBO report, which says the 2.5 million jobs or, or equivalent work hours um, that we won't see in the coming decade. That's a big deal. You know, I remember when Nancy Pelosi made some comments early on saying one of the great things about Obamacare is going to be that you're not going to have to take a job. You'll be able to explore a career as whatever, you know, folk singer or artist or something, because we're going to pay for your health care. And uh, once again, Americans want people who need health care to be able to have it because they lack it out of need. But I don't think they like this idea of saying, you know, I've always wanted to spin pottery like the movie Ghost for a living. And because you're subsidizing my health care, I get to go do that. Well, that's that's the part I think that causes the most uh, difficulty for the White House. I mean, think think back to the to the arguments we had uh, before this bill became law, before Obamacare became the law of the land. I mean, it would have been inconceivable for somebody to have made the argument then look, you're going to just need to pay a little more because we've got these people who are trapped in jobs that they don't want to do. They're, you know, they might be engineers. They might be working uh, you know, jobs that they aren't thrilled with, and they really want to be potters or they want to be full-time musicians. or they want to, And you need to subsidize their health care to give them the opportunity to live the life that they want to. Well, that's just not – I mean, if, A, it would have sunk the, the, the bill exactly. so fast that it wouldn't have been much of a debate, and B, that's not the way that America has operated forever. I mean, one of the things that, that America has been about is working hard, 
towards fulfilling your dreams. Uh, as the Wall Street Journal put it in its editorial this morning, the new American dream of working less doesn't have quite the same ring to it. If you hate work, you'll love Obama. That's a bumper sticker that I wish I had been wearing. But I want to I get to the, the, some of the other math parts of this. I mean, uh, one of the uh, people representing the CBO said earlier today that one of the reasons why they see so much impact on individuals' behavior, what, what are you going to do at work? Are you going to keep working? Are you going to work part-time? Is because the subsidies are so large in real terms. I don't think the average American understands just how much money is being shifted to people who get to move to Obamacare. That It's not a subsidy for, you know, for most families of a few bucks here. We're talking about 50, 60, 70% of their health care costs being borne by the taxpayers. Right. The ones that, that's for the ones who are most in need exactly. of assistance who haven't had uh, health care in the past or ha- have been kicked off of uh, individual market plans that, and now wouldn't be able to afford these new plans. Uh, these are the people who are the most desperate to have their health care plans most heavily subsidized. And that's the problem going forward as it relates to the the labor force participation rate and who's going to be doing this because of course the more money you make the less subsidy you get exactly and the less subsidy you get the, the more you have to pay and the less incentive you have to work this is the problem and it's you know it's basic economics it's it's beyond basic economics it's also common sense and this is i think the challenge that the administration is is facing now is how to take something that runs so counter to the way that that Society has viewed work. Society has viewed, uh, you know, work ethic, earning a living, earning uh, your health care, your benefits in this case. Um, and now, in effect, saying, look, you don't have to work more to earn these. In effect, what we're going to do is give them to you so that you can work less. It's, as you say, it's not the way that, that this was sold. It's not the way that this was envisioned, I think, even by some of its proponents. Right. The other part that is fascinating is the numbers that we're seeing for enrollment, which are going to be smaller than originally projected in the short term. But the number that jumped out at me is whether it's 8 million or 9 million, Steve, the number of new people on Medicaid. And I keep trying to remind people that I talk to that, once again, not saying that we don't need a Medicaid system or we don't need to take care of the desperately poor. But many of these people who are now being shifted onto Medicaid were paying something for their insurance before. They were maybe they're only contributing, a, you know, 50 bucks a month, but they were paying something. And now what we've done is we put the entire burden on the taxpayer for all of their coverage. And the, and the White House, if I understand this right, is bragging about the number of new freeloaders on the health care system. Well, and the White House has been bragging about this from the beginning. It's one of the things that, that's sort of a disconnect between conservatives and the arguments that you hear from the White House and their supporters on this is the White House is touting as success uh, the expansion of Medicaid rules, period, and, and they're doing so in an unqualified way. Well, look, we've added X number of people to, to Medicaid rule, mm-hmm. roles. That means that the system is working as we designed it. Well, that's not a good news for a number of reasons. One, you know, strictly budgetary, right. fiscal reasons. We can't afford to do that. Medicaid has been a problem uh, for, for, you know, ages and continues to be a problem. It's a problem at the state level. It's a problem at the federal level. Uh, what we really need is pretty significant reforms to the Medicaid programs, perhaps block granting money to the states, things that are now now seem very far away, far in the distance. But the other problem is, uh, you know, there, the the academic literature is very mixed about whether Medicaid uh, people on Medicaid see 
actual health benefit. Right. Now, you know, to a certain extent, if you're going to, if, if being on Medicaid versus not being on Medicaid means you see a doctor or you don't see a doctor, there's probably some benefit in that. Uh, on the other hand, if you look at long-term uh, health performance of people right. who have been on Medicaid, there are certainly studies that suggest that there's not a great improvement. And so the question is then, are we just doing this, is the government just doing this on our behalf so that people feel good about lowering the raw numbers of quote-unquote uninsured, uh, or are you actually improving the lives, improving, improving the health of Americans? The first, I think, is is certainly true. The second is uh, debatable. And just to put the uh, the budget numbers in some perspective, we found out today here in Massachusetts that we collected a, an extra billion dollars last year in revenue, which for a state is nice news. Virtually every penny to that of that is going to go to health and welfare costs, and which now make up half of the state budget. The ha- and this is in O'Romneycare land, where supposedly we're driving the cost right. curve down. When what's happened instead is that health care costs have exploded here, both for the state and for uh, people with private insurance like myself. Our emergency rooms are full, our costs are going through the roof, and the state budget is being sucked down. And the Obamacare push to put more people on Medicaid, in the short term, the states get that covered. But three years from now, they don't. And they're going to be crushed by the costs of all these people who are paying nothing in for their health coverage. Well, and that's, I think, the key And when you're talking about it from a budgetary perspective is, is all of these governors, including some Republicans, including some conservative Republicans who have accepted Medicaid expansion under Obamacare, are going to eventually have to pay these bills. Right. They, they have significant help for three years. And then, of course, the federal government would say, well, they can opt out at any time. You know, they're not bound by because they accepted uh, they expanded Medicaid and accepted our help in the first three years doesn't mean they have to do so in perpetuity. They mm-hmm. can get out at any time. But the reality is, you add that many people to the Medicaid rolls, you're not going to then go and take them away, or at least it's going to be politically very challenging to go and take that away, even if you've got a better long-term solution. So the reality is these governors who have expanded, who have chosen to expand Medicaid, are going to be on the hook for this, and their state budgets, I think, are going to suffer as a result. Well, I just uh, sent a note to the White House. I'm ready to retire, too. I don't like working. Work sucks. I'd much rather stay at home, <laughs> watch TV. You know, there's a house marathon on USA I've still haven't seen. Uh, but uh, Steve Hayes, I'll let, get, let you get back to what you, you laugh. You should be free to do that. It's your choice. I should be. Exactly. You know what? You know, I was. I saying opera in college i was a music major and i stunk but why can't i still be the next pavarotti and stink somebody pay my bills it'll be great <laughs> steve hayes thanks so much for joining us here on the weekly standard podcast please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates i'm your host michael graham